course, that was Aretha Franklin uh, singing Say a Little Prayer for You. And I do say a little prayer for Aretha Franklin, who passed away overnight at the uh, age of 76. She was undeniably one of the great performers and voices uh, of the past 50, 60 years. And I, I got to say... You know, I woke up this morning to the news that she had died, and I wasn't surprised that she died because I had seen those earlier mentions in the news last weekend that she was um, gravely ill, which usually means that that's like leaked out because you can expect that she's going to die in the coming 24 hours, 48 hours. Well, she held on for a couple more, few, more days than that even, but I was still, when I woke up a bit, still sort of jarred by this news and saddened, certainly, regardless of my anticipating the news. She was really, truly a genius. There's no denying it. And um, she had to interpret a song and, and play and, and emote in a way that uh, was almost peerless. I got to see her perform once. And it wasn't necessarily the optimal performance but it was uh she was in fine form i think she was in going through a relatively decent uh period of time health-wise because she had been struggling with health problems for years off and on mostly on this was a multi multiple artist type of situation though so she wasn't on long she had like four or five i can't remember four or five songs and she performed a couple of them with other artists uh, but that was incredible because one of them were, was with Lenny Kravitz. And then she performed another song with Annie Lennox. I mean, that was a treat. You know, back in the 80s, they guest appeared on each other's albums. One of the songs they produced, you may remember, was The Sisters Are Doing It For Themselves. Okay, a little, little cheesy, but very much a song, a product of its time. You know. But look at the trove we're so lucky to have uh, from Aretha Franklin. There's so much music she created that we have. There's so much video and, you know, that, that was taken of her performing. We're very lucky to have that. And speaking of the video, I put up on the my, my Facebook page today, in fact, this morning, and I, I think I did it before also. Like one night year, years ago, I was uh, just, you know, fell through the rabbit hole of, of YouTube or that is YouTube and found the uh, this great performance where she did, uh, uh, she was part of, uh, Aretha was part of this uh, evening, you know, the Kennedy Center Honors uh, dedicated to Carol King, who wrote, as you may recall, one of Aretha's biggest hits, you know, Natural Woman. And, and Aretha comes out, this is a, Again, probably within the last 10 years, she comes out and performs Natural Woman at the piano. And uh, so she's like late 60s or whatever. But she blows the audience away, blows them away. And I mean, Carol King is up in the balcony, you know, where they sit and is like, can't contain herself, cannot believe what she's seeing. And it is really one of the great, greatest performances I've ever seen. Uh, and I just was watching it late at night on my MacBook sitting in bed and got goosebumps and tears in my eyes watching this. So I urge you to check out that performance. Just 
Google Carol King Kennedy Center, um, excuse me, Aretha Franklin Kennedy Center honors. Anyway, uh, with a heavy heart, Aretha Franklin dead at 76. Um, this is uh, Film Wax Radio and the uh, episode 502. And my name is Adam Shartoff. And this episode, we are going to um, pay homage, if you will, to a, a new independent film called We the Animals. And uh, it is a beautiful, beautiful film. It's beautifully acted beautifully directed and beautifully uh shot and <laughs> i say that because i it's true and i say it because we have on this uh episode coming up the uh uh the lead actor raul castillo we have the lead director or what am i saying we have the director jeremiah zagar and we have the cinematographer zach mulligan all coming up in the first half of this podcast Actually, I have two different recorded conversations. One is what, uh, with Zach took place first. And then I did another chat with uh, the director, Jeremiah, and Raul uh, after. But uh, they two different times, two different locations. But I'm playing Jeremiah and um, Raul first. So then we're going to pop into that. And then we'll go into the conversation with Zach, uh, who, again, is the director of photography here. The movie is called We the Animals. The synopsis, brothers Manny, Joel, and Jonah tear their way through childhood. Their mother and father, played by actors Sheila Vand and, and Raul, have a volatile relationship that makes and unmakes the family many times over, often leaving the boys uh, fending for themselves. As their parents rip at one another, <clears throat> Manny and Joel harden and grip. As their parents rip at one another, Manny and Joel harden and grow into versions of their father. With the triumvirate fractured, Jonah, who is the youngest, becomes increasingly aware of his desperate need to escape. Driven to the edge, Jonah embraces an imagined world all his own. The film opens here in New York City at the Angelica Film Center and the Landmark at 57 West and in L.A. at the Landmark, both um, cities premiere the movie premieres on friday august 17th and um, i urge you to go check out the film it is truly special and i'm glad to be bringing on the uh some of the core team um and then after that we'll have the conversation with actor trina durham from sweden who stars in uh this wonderful movie nico 1988 and we'll get to that in a little bit but uh, first, let's go to my conversation with uh, Jeremiah Zagar and Raul Castillo. And then uh, we'll go right after that into my conversation with uh, Zach Mulligan, uh, all appearing here on Film Wax Radio. Look at us. 
when we were brothers. We wanted more. How come you don't swim? You don't know how to swim either. Go down and swim. See, I'm Doesn't even protect your family. Hey, what's wrong with I'll you? Okay. I need you to be good and quiet around your mom. It's my birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday, old man. Do you think Pops will ever come back? He always comes back. God, starving. Come ring. Hello, mommy. I, I, was, I was in your neighborhood all weekend. Because all the movie theaters are there. Okay, guys. And then Amy and Asher left, so I took the weekend to go see movies. So let's see. Went to Court Street anyway. I went to Court Street and I went to... Uh, Draft House. Oh, right on. Yeah. Um, I saw Mission Impossible, which is awesome. Really? Awesome. Talk into the mic. Rory, hello, hello. Like hot mic. Uh, yeah. Uh, how was Mission? You can give a, a capsule review while you're on the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Jeremiah Zagar is going to. Have you seen I haven't the, heard uh, negative, one negative thing about it. Have you seen the clip of uh, the shot of him breaking his foot or whatever? Yeah. Like, yeah. They did that stunt. You, they, he, yeah. I mean, you saw it because it's in the movie, I think. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's where he jumps. He yeah. Jumps into the, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the whole movie is like, Literally. like one heart pounding, crazy, you know, <laughs> non stop roller coaster ride, as they call it. And it's really corny, but like in a really great way, like in a way that you're just sure. like, yeah, no in a way that you don't care that Tom Cruise hires slave labor. <laughs> in a way that is you're he, just like, all right, all right, he's a crazy Scientologist, but he's really, really charming. <laughs> What what is the independent film world, if not slave labor? That's right. Yeah, yeah, we do it anyway. <laughs> but if you think about it, right, it's just a well, somebody's making the money from those large productions, from the Hollywood studio productions, right? So right. that's the difference. If you're not really there, is a place where you should be sharing the wealth that supposedly exists, right? Yes. I mean, not yeah. We don't get any of that wealth. Well, I understand. I'm turning my phone off. Or just the volume, anyway. Thank Sorry you. No, no, thanks. I like your sandals too. Your moccasins. What do they call? Uh, I guess. They're called uh, warachis. <laughs> what I are they actually, called? I got. They're called warachis. Warachis. Where'd you get them? Those are great. Waraches. 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 Yeah. Okay. Raul knows how to pronounce them. Oh, I bet. But, well, but I he only g- has a pair because I got him a pair. That's right. <laughs> you have a pair too? Yeah, I do. I do. They're black and they're beautiful. They're like these, like, they're from, where are they? From Australia? They're from Australia. Oh, they're Australian. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're uh, this gorgeous black leather, like, really. I like that. But, but uh, I, I still have yet to break them in. I've worn them, I've worn them twice now and they mash up my Your feet. My feet. You yeah. have to break them in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the problem with big... You have to break them in. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I have these. High, uh, this is really fascinating stuff, but I have high ar- a, a bit of a high arch type of thing. So, but it would break in after a while. That's that's fine. Well, I'm that's sure the thing fine. about the leather. It's like yeah, the leather it gives gets soft, and sure. then it starts to feel yeah. good. But it takes mm. a while. Oh, I used to have those you types. Of that's good to know. 
Oh, good to know. Yeah. Like, well, this is Shoe Talk with guest Z- Jeremiah Zigar and Crow that's not, Castillo. That's not that surprising because Jeremiah is a shoe head. So I'm very into shoes. This is, uh, this no, is pretty No shame in that. Sneakers mostly. But okay. I, I really oh. like these shoes. I usually, I said I brought my tabletop stand, so, um, just so we're all kind of in the same volume area, just hold the mic a little bit close, a few inches. Here? Yeah, that's fantastic. Okay. And you get the warmth of the... Uh, of, of, the, of the thing. It's great meeting you. Uh, well, Jeremiah, it's made great meeting you. Nice to meet you. And, and Raul, nice to see you nice again. Nice to see you, Adam. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to say Castillo because, I mean, that's the way it should be pronounced. Yeah, that's right. Although people probably say Castillo, I guess, all the time, right? Yeah, there's all kinds of things. <laughs> it's like Starbucks with my name. <laughs> What's that? It's like Starbucks. You know, they can never get your name yeah. right. Oh, I see. Right. Well, that's right. Yeah. That's why I would put just like, you know. Tom. Tom on everything. Exactly. <laughs> Bob. Mm-hmm. Bob. Um, so where do we begin? This uh, film is called We the Animals. It was adapted from a book by Justin Torres, right? A novel? That's right. And you discovered it when you walked into a bookstore, right? Is that what happened? The That's origin right. story? Yeah. And you couldn't put it, you read the whole thing in the bookstore. Is that true or is that just myth? That is true. Well, the bookstore has a cafe. It's McNally Jackson down the street, oh, so they have a cafe. So right. you can, you can. This is a secret that you don't know about McNally Jackson, but you can I actually don't. take the book and yeah. bring it into the cafe without right. buying it. It's a this secret. A it's a secret. You have to be stealthy about it, and they, yeah. if they catch you, you're fucked. But really, yeah, yeah. Oh, they don't want you to. Go, do that. Okay. No, they, of course they. No, no, no. They want you to purchase the book. Sure, but anyway, yeah. So you didn't purchase it, but then I purchased eleven copies or okay. twelve copies. You know, over the course of the, you know, my my life, I purchased, you know, for the last six years, a, a ton of copies, and right. I always buy them from them because. Oh. Justin worked at McNally Jackson, right. so they have like an overstock of those books. That's like a coincidence. Have a ton of them. Right. That's yeah. a coincidence, right? That he happened to work there. Totally a coincidence. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you had, I mean, I'm just starting the sentence, you should be ending it, but you, Jeremiah, started as a documentary filmmaker. Yeah. And I started, you know, as a watcher of movies even before well, that. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's, yeah. But you were already in this mind of making a narrative film a fiction film before you found the book yeah absolutely i mean i I, again like because i said i I started as a watcher of movies i I really wanted to be a video store clerk that was like my real dream when i was a kid um but uh i got fired um immediately after getting hired as a video store clerk so you actually got a job in the i've been fired from every job i've ever had and and uh i was a bus boy and i got fired and i was a video store clerk and i got fired and then um and then uh, I started to get film jobs, and film jobs are short enough that you can't fire me. You know, you have to kind of ride me out. You have to kind of ride it out. And yeah. then, so I started um, in college making um, na- narratives. Actually, in college, I made mostly narratives and animations. Oh, where and was that? At Emerson. Okay. And oh. then at the end of college, mm-hmm. I made, I started to film my father, who's an artist in Philadelphia, and that became my first documentary. Um, and then, you know, Mm-hmm. You make one, and somebody asks you to make another, and then I made another. If it's good, they do. I mean, <laughs> if it's not always, I mean, it can be good or yeah. Anyway, well, you could also be shooting weddings. That's I was I did I was a, I was a actually a um, uh, editor of wedding videos and bar mitzvah videos for a little bit. I mean, you didn't get fired from that. I did. Oh, you did. You did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm I'm firing you from this interview <laughs> just because I respect you. <laughs> Well, this is a, a phenomenal movie. I'm so glad that you know it was put on my radar. I was very moved by it, just so people have a context. Uh, it's about a family living upstate New York, a bit cut off, a bit isolated, 
I mean, it, what you've created also is a sense of that, you know, you guys, where you really feel like you're immersed in their little bubble of a world for most of the film anyway. And uh, the, the two parents, very young, and they have three boys who, again, it's like this long, endless summer type of thing where they just have, it seems like, endless amount of time. It's before technology has taken over kids' lives. Yeah. So that's... Uh, how did you guys... Well, how did you guys create the, this, the character of Pop, Poppy? Pops, Pops. Pops, rather. Yeah, well, I think it's important to, to mm-hmm. uh, explain to the listeners that it's the, the mm-hmm. parents in this family are a biracial couple. It's a Puerto Rican father and an Irish-Italian mother, originally from Brooklyn... Uh, from the city. How did they meet? And or how did they think, end up being upstate uh, too? Why in the you? book, is it explained in the book? They yeah, they met it in the program for delinquent youth. In, in essence, right? It was like a. Um, am I wrong? It's it sort of like it's it's sort of like amorphous how they met. Yeah, you, okay. you know that they, you know that she was much younger than him, that four years younger than him or oh, so. Okay. Yeah, which and at the time when they're that young, they're they teens. end up getting married in yeah. Texas in their you know, teens. Yeah, mm. they end up getting married in Texas because the laws in Texas allow them to get married. So um, I know that. Yeah, yeah, they are. There is so many jokes. So, coming so through the my mind, thing I'm is, ignore them all. <laughs> Just not doing it. So the thing is that the, the the book and what this is what's actually kind of beautiful about the experience and and I you know Justin would walk us through what happened in the book to the backstory of the book, what he had imagined in his mind, but he'd also walk us through what happened in his real life. And then he would allow Raul, Sheila, me, and the boys to transform that with his help as well. And so, you know, Raul was able to create the backstory that, you know, the character needed for him. And I think that was kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah. That doesn't sound typical to the only word filmmaker wants to involve the normal the original creator the original source i should say and also you know the real life behind the the fiction version and all that but it it seems to work very well i think yeah i mean i think i think it was the only way to make the movie is it okay i think it was the only way to make this movie i mean i don't know other movies and i only know the movies that i've made but um it certainly it certainly was the old, I mean I, I didn't know the story as well as the author and I just and I would never would and I would never be ever as intimately involved with um, the book is so intimate and right. it's just like yeah. and you know Raul would never you know would never know that character as, in, as well as Justin and I think that's, that's right. That's why, and, and what we were trying to do was honor the book I mean really that's all any of us were trying to do but it sounds like there's a lot of process, pre-production process that was done. Like you worked with three young boys who have no acting background, but they went through a re- re- relatively rigorous That's right. period of time, right, w- with an acting coach. Many hours, many, many hours, right, of, of uh, exercises and yeah. uh, so, to help create that intimacy that you're talking about. I mean, I mean, and, and Raul and Sheila were part of that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. that what, what we did was we tried to make... What was beautiful about what Justin allowed us to do with the book is he said, you know, there's no way you're going to recreate the book. What you're going to do is transform the book. What you're going to do is translate it to the screen. And in order to do that, um, we're going to need to create an immersive experience for everybody involved. I mean, that was something that from the onset, Justin and I were like, let's do this. Um, And so, you know, we cast over a year and a half. We saw a thousand young men. Um, and very, it's incredible. 
it was crazy with this amazing um, grassroots casting director who was a former intern of ours named Marlena who ended up being the AC on the movie. So everybody was like a family on the movie. People that worked on the movie continued to work on the movie throughout What's the process. What's an AC? An assistant camera. Yeah. So, she, uh, and, and then early in the process, Raul was cast and I remember showing him the boys. It was very sensitive for me to make sure, like I, when Raul was like, I'm in, it was about a year before we started shooting. Mm -hmm. Then I showed him the boys that we had started to cast. Mm -hmm. I remember you came in and saw them. Yeah. Maybe you talk about that. Uh, when when we were there together or? Or no, like just coming into the office. I remember I showed you that video. Well, it was, it was great to be included in the process from an early stage and, and to be, uh, it, it always felt like Jeremiah was, uh, you know, cl- we were all collaborating on this thing. We were making this thing together. It wasn't like we were the actors and we were in that corner. And, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so from from early on, I, th- I think, like, uh, I went to Jeremiah's house and, and um, mm-hmm. shot some video with his son in a bathtub. A newborn, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that wound up in the final film. Yeah. Uh, and, like it's a flashback? Or? It's a flash. It's yeah. sort of a flashback, yeah. It's right. a, it's yeah. kind of it's, it's kind of a... In, poetically interpreted flashback yeah yeah there's some of that yeah there's it's a lot great because uh mm-hmm. jeremiah's son actually is a great stand-in for for baby evan or baby mm-hmm. jonah rather. evan is one of the three young actors yeah so exactly we call them actors now evan exactly. Rosado, right? they are they yeah. are actors yeah, they really are actors. Yeah. and that was noel gentile their acting yeah. coach who really yeah. you know brought yeah. that yeah. out in them along with their, and sheila you have to go through their management now to talk to them that's right that's true i think no but it's true but you know i think because they were not actors, quote unquote. That mm-hmm. it was great that Jeremiah sort of took the care to even get have an acting coach, that someone that can let them tap into like their creativity and their imagination, which is what they need. Such a great way to on do set. it. Yeah. yeah, because there's so much of the imagination that's uh, emphasized in the story. You know, yeah. also like especially with Jonah, right? Yeah, that's absolutely. A, uh, you know, his time under the bed. He has a rich internal life, right? That's so right. it's interesting. I want to mention also Sheila Van plays plays the mom. What? Uh, I just I know there's specific names. Ma, Ma. Okay, right. yeah. She did. She she was on this podcast with the uh, girl who walks home alone. Oh, very cool. Yeah, years ago. So I was hoping also to. to but this is nice. To hell with her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I should mention also. I should have said this from the top. I actually know Zach Mulligan very well. You do? Yeah, yeah, he's a friend. So we actually met last week because <laughs> cool. I just, you know, this nonstop with, I just That's constantly. Great. So years ago, I met, I was in a coffee shop in Brooklyn and they were shoot, somebody was shooting a film in the coffee shop and I was kind of annoyed because, you know, you just want to have your, you know, your coffee and relax and they, it's Brooklyn. So they're shooting. And he was the cinematographer and they were shooting, he was shooting a, a movie. It just coincidentally, you know. So, uh, well, I, I, anyway, so I have a, a little segment with Zach as well that I'm mm-hmm. going to add to this particular episode. I think it's very nice. Oh, Thanks. cool. You should get Sheila too. She's amazing. I would love to. Yeah. I'd love to. So if you're listening, Sheila. <laughs> She's on the Snowpiercer right now. Contact my management. Is yeah. she shooting? I think, I, think they, I think they started shooting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Snow, Snowpiercer. She's on so. uh, the TNT show. I think they po- postponed it. Oh, oh they, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, I think, so. I think we, you should get her on the show. Okay. Yeah, we'll get her. I'd love to get her back. Um, in case. I'm getting too distracted. I want to keep my focus on, on this great movie, which opens, by the way, August 17th here in New York. Where, what theater? It's going to be at Landmark on 57. Okay. And it's going to be at the Angelica. At the Angelica. You should come out opening weekend because that's uh, the most important weekend. (laughs) So, wait, are you going to be shuttling between those two theaters on the first weekend? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Justin Torres 
possibly Sheila and myself. Okay. Uh, we'll be here in New York, and then Jeremiah will be in L.A. Definitely uh-huh. Sheila. Out and, and Raul and Justin will be here ev- every day for mm-hmm. yeah. the opening weekend. And I'll be at 57th Street the first night with the boys. Okay. Oh, great. Oh, great. Um, yeah. And then I go to Los Angeles, uh-huh. and I'll be there for the next two days. Yeah. Very so good. it's opening in L.A.? Uh, yeah. Same weekend, yes. August seventeenth at the Limley at the August. landmark at the, the landmark. landmark. Oh, and that makes sense. On Pico. That makes complete yeah, yeah. sense. Okay, which is a beautiful theater. Oh, okay. I saw a quiet place there. It was, oh wow, it was, it was great. I mean, I was actually That's really impressed movie. by the, the, the theatrical projection. I thought it was yeah. beautiful, yeah. and the movie was great too. Yeah. What is it about the film? It, you know, it's it's the furthest thing from a horror film. I'm talking about Weeding Animals again, but there is a sense of maybe it's there's a tension that you created in the film. It's kind of unsettling too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would I would say it's the same similar techniques as as a horror film. You're you're waiting for you're, something I, terrible. You're to isolated. Happen. You're in the woods. I mean, yeah. it is a kind of typical some tropes there that you share with a typical horror film, right? Yeah, I mean, and the book does that too. There's a sense of suspense. There is, mm-hmm. and there's a sense of volatility in the characters that's mm-hmm. really vital that that creates that environment. You know, yeah. it's like. Pops is incredibly volatile. Ma's yeah. incredibly volatile. The kids are incredibly volatile. So <laughs> anything can happen. You yeah. Know? You know, we know boys especially, although not necessarily always, are like, you know, you put them in the upstate or anywhere rural especially, or any park or whatever, and, you know, they're they're like little animals, really, you mm-hmm. know. So it's that's true. Yeah, again, they were married very young and started a family very young, and there's a lot of pressure, and they had to – they didn't have any family support. Right back home right. in New York, and had to go up to an area upstate where they were not familiar. This is backstory, but it's very much in the present of their conflicts and their right yeah. what they're struggling with. So he's struggling to find work, and it's a lot of pressure, and he probably has a lot of self hatred, or at least uh, struggling with some of that. Right, sure. and and uh, and and also wanting to still be a kid himself. I guess right, right. Mm-hmm. But there was and and that volatility, yeah, which is so present in the in the novel i think we needed a way to capture that and and the and and i and i, and I think that you know it's funny being in this room right now because because mm. i think I, I read with sheila in this room oh yeah um and i, I was yeah we were right, your audition right, yeah she was auditioning we had a sort of chemistry read together and and um i've been thinking a lot about um about a woman under under the influence and jenna Rollins and mm. Sheila had this quality to her that you know she she's this, there's a saying in Spanish um, chiquita pero picosa which means little but spicy it's mm. like a reference to peppers but it's also applicable yeah. to people and you know Sheila's this petite fra- almost frail little bird like creature but then she explodes yeah. and she gives it right back to me she you know and I, and and that that's where these characters sort of live and need to be and I think that we had a great chemistry, I think, you know, and we could allow each other to, to go there and, and, you know, we we knew we were safe with each other. Mm-hmm. And that was, that's sort of emblematic of, of the entire film. We, we, in order to represent this very volatile family, I think we had to create a really safe environment for us to get wild and get free. And, and Jeremiah really made sure that that was, that that's how the process, uh, can, you know, worked itself out. And then they live together. So Sheila and Raul live together, and the boys all live together. Yeah. So there was an intimacy that was created during, between them. During yeah. production. The yeah. production, right. Yeah. And, and yeah, maybe the parents would have objected too. All of them <laughs> moving up there must We did do a couple sleepovers, which were really right. hard. To <laughs> establish initially, to oh, try yeah. to create a, 
a uh, an intimacy, as you said, or a, a, some sort of uh, yeah, family environment. Like this is yeah. how do you how do you be a family if you don't do the things regular families do? So we wanted Acting. to create those spaces. Yeah. And the thing is that, that some like you go to you know I went to theater school. I don't know about film school, but you go to theater school. And people teach you to be like wild and free and experimental, and then you get out into the world and, and in the industry, and everyone's so every, it's all uh, contingent on money, and, yeah, and everyone's trying business. to do things so safely and by the book that no one is free and experimental and playful anymore. It's that ceases to be. Yeah, it's uh, all a business now. Right, so it, it was teetering. For, yeah. you know, for a long time in the seventies, you know, that's right. That's you right. Know, that days. And over. Jeremiah was really intent from yeah. the get go about yeah. cre- doing things differently and. I, and I always thought, like, I when we were doing those exercises or those sleepovers, mm-hmm. that I thought someone was going to pull the wool from under us. I didn't think that yeah. anyone can actually do this anymore. And, like, that was very much a part of the process was that playfulness, that you know. So that I think it was almost it created a, a quality to where the cameras were only – it was, you know, you just – you they let us go, mm-hmm. even though it was very much, like, curated and, and programmed. That, but at the same time, there was a – a looseness and a, and a freedom that I think that the kids needed to do what they were doing. And then it, that forced Sheila and I to sort of, you know, um, mm-hmm. that kept us on our toes. I mm-hmm. mean, the kids kept us on our toes yeah, because they were so yep. present and, and, you know, uh, real and authentic and raw and honest. And like, and it forced us to kind of, you know, listen and respond, yeah, which is what you need in acting, you know, Up, I hear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how did the kids? What do they think of their performance at, 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 when they saw the movie? At, they, did they come to Sundance? Oh yeah, they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do they? What did they think? What are um, their, and their families because there was a lot of pressure there, right? To you're you're really involved them in something uh, pretty heavy duty, and then absolutely, and then you pulled it off. You got into the number one American film festival, I and mean, it's pretty pretty gratifying, I imagine, right? Yeah, I mean, I think they were very proud to mm-hmm. be in that film festival, to have won an award. Um, Oh, right. It meant a lot to them. Yeah, um, they got a lot of really beautiful notices. Um, I think you know. Also, it's hard to watch the movie. The movie's a tough movie. So I mm-hmm. think there's also um, you know a reality check when you see it, and you're like, wow, this is really amazing and really yeah. hard. What I went through, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think they were they were pr- primarily proud. I mean, they're also beautiful speakers. You should see them at Q and As and talk about their experience. Mm-hmm. The other week, Sheila and I were actually at. Um, rooftop films mm-hmm. yeah. and we uh we got stuck in an elevator and the boys had to do the first 10 minutes of the q a all them by themselves and oh, they were that... amazing i mean they're so precocious and was this at the, uh, the in the lower east side it, no was it was brooklyn? uh it was in brooklyn it was at the, at the, third in, and third. the industry city oh 33 i'm sorry it was yeah, at yeah. the uh the old american camp old american and camp the elevator too. yeah mm. the elevator there yeah <laughs> <laughs> i could have told you about that <laughs> Interesting. Wow. Well, again, uh, We the Animals is going to be uh, at the Angelica here in New York and at the Landmark in New Jersey. Well, one more block. I think you're in New Jersey, but you're still in New York City, technically. West 57th Street. It's pretty far west. Yeah. That's all I'm saying, you know. It's so. Raul used to live right up there. That's right. That's like, I'm, uh, I'm only sad that you don't live there now because you can't just walk to the theater. I know. Seriously. <laughs> seriously. I was living up there. I was living mm-hmm. in the Upper West when... Mm-hmm. And we shot the film, and now I live oh. in Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, you're in, he lives right next to our office. He just wants to get closer to our yeah, office. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I'm just going to camp out at the public record offices. Are you based in? Where are you based? We're Jeremiah? based in. We're based right next to the old American Can Factory. Actually, we're based on. You, you are. Yeah, are we you, have a, you are. I mean, where you live or your work? 
Well, I live I in Bed-Stuy. Oh, you do? Okay, I work, gotcha. We have an office. Public Record has an <laughs> office. Right. Jeremy and I, who's one of the producers yes. of the movie. Um, and then we have four other directors in the company, or five other oh, directors Oh, I see. Okay, it's like a collective or, or anyway. Yeah, similar to you. a collective, but yeah. it's a, they're, they're, they're all You're not inviting directors. anybody into it. <laughs> yeah, we do a lot of commercials and documentaries and things like that. I understand. Now, you're not based in the American, but you're in Gowanus. Um, so what you're saying? We are in Gowanus. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. where. Yeah, and that's so, where we watch the World Cup and things like that. I'm just busy at work. <laughs> yeah. And, um, did we leave anything central out of this? Because I, you know, it's a lot. There's so much. This is one of those stories, the making of. And when you're going to talk to Zach, I did already. Oh, you already talked. I know to it Zach. doesn't sound like I. Did. Oh, oh, I oh. Should, you should see me there because oh, it's been months since I you met him. with him just because you're friends. No, no, no. I it brought him on the podcast. No, he's going to be. I'm going to put it on after this. But it's. I met with him. And, uh, and, and, I, and I hadn't seen uh, We the Animals for a couple of months. Uh, Susan provided me, you know, with the, the film a, a, a while ago. I wanted to see it. And then I didn't rewatch it. Re- so I got in there and I had forgotten some things. And I didn't think to, you know, remind myself of it because I figured it would just all come back. And then I just – so fortunately I got a lot of that sounding really stupid out of the way before I got in here today with you guys. So I didn't sound totally like a moron. <laughs> got it. Which I usually sound like. What else am – and then, uh, did you want to say something? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, uh, since we're talking about things that we should mention, uh, yeah. we, we, you know, the film had its L.A. premiere and at Outfest this summer, yeah, which yeah. is an incredible experience. It's a theme in the film, which I yeah, bring up. Uh, absolutely, sexuality. Jonah's Jonah's emerging sexuality. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had several projects at Outfest. It's a great festival, and yes. being there at, on, at this level, at this platform was a really special experience in seeing this film in particular. Yeah. I think they gave us an award. and They, We won the Grand Jury Prize. That's right. That's and, an and, award. That accounts. <laughs> <laughs> and the weekend, and that was really, really great. The weekend uh-huh. right before that, I went to San Antonio, Texas, uh, seen a festival of some, like oldest running Latino film festival in the uh-huh. country. Really small, uh-huh. intimate um, festival on the west side of San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Um, very Latino audience, very Mexican audience, and, and uh, very blue collar audience. And, uh, to get to see that, to get to experience that juxtaposition, I remember toward the end of the f- uh, screening in San Antonio, I I, um, I had to run to the bathroom because I knew that it was going to be a Q and A after, and I was like, I have to pee. So sure, I'm, sure. I'm get out of here, and and uh, it was like five minutes before the film is done, and I hate walking out in the middle of anything. I hate when people get up, or, you know, move. So I left, and I come back um, into the theater. As in the last five minutes of the mm-hmm. film, as the last moments of the film, really, when Jonah's like those beautiful shots of Evan when he's, you know. Don't take too much. Right, right. That's <laughs> right. Um, that's right. Uh, and the audience, you could you could hear a pin drop, and, you know, to be. Yep. Uh, 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 you, you, the audience was just so wrapped. Their attention was just glued to the screen. And, and I just loved seeing that to experience the film uh-huh. in these different environments. And I think the film has the potential to really play in a lot of really great places and for audiences that don't normally go see uh independent film that i think that this it's like it is about childhood and family and i think these really universal themes that anyone can you know identify with so i want to be clear about that you know i think it's a restorative picture i do i I don't want to make too much and sound too lofty about it but i do feel like especially right now Hmm. in this day and age what we're going through as a country as a culture yeah with so much dividing division, so mm-hmm. I think this is a really the right kind of movie, you know. So kudos to you guys, and because uh, you know it, it's it's about really clinging to each other. Um, 
Absolutely. You know, it's uh, about love. Yeah. We need more love. love. Complicated, messy love. We right. That Which is what it always is, right? Yeah. Uh, That's right. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Do you think Pops will ever come back? He always comes back. God, starving. Some ring. Hello. Mommy. How come you didn't answer the phone when I call you? Because you sound so ugly. Hello. Hello. What are we going to do? We could go anywhere. But I need you to tell me what to do. You're supposed to find us. Look at us, growing up. Who will we be? Having said that, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I just actually, on the way here, I got an email from the publicist for We the Animals, Mm -hmm. and they squared away the time on Monday. I'm going to be meeting with uh, Jeremiah. Oh, great. And uh, Raul. Yeah, oh, Raul, great, great. Raul Castillo. <laughs> who, wonderful. Who I'm excited about because I've known him a long time. Oh, he was really? A, yeah, Raul, who's the, you know, your leading man in this film. He um, was in a film, a small film that friends of mine made years ago. I was on a Tribeca like in 10 or 11. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, he was one of the main actors in it. And I was like, that guy's, you know, I never saw him before, but I, I saw, I thought he's, He's kind of interesting to watch, you know. Yeah. He's got some, you know. He's totally convincing. I, I, I thought maybe, he's great. You know, he played like an immigrant, Mexican immigrant mm-hmm. here in Long Island, getting day jobs. You know, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh no, this guy must. Not, I didn't think he was that, of course, but I thought he must be, you know, like first generation or an immigrant, just because he was that good. But now, you know, HBO. You know, yeah, yeah. No, he's uh, he's all over the place. I mean, this yeah. year especially, he's, yeah. he's I, I think he's got a few more movies coming out. And I'm sure. There's a TV show or something he's doing now, too. And yeah. Yeah. So I've been wanting to get him on for a while, so this is, was a nice turn. And uh, uh, Sheila Vend, who is mm-hmm. the band, who is the, uh, his co-st- co-star, uh, she was on before because I had on uh, when, when, when they did uh, The Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Oh, yeah. That's a wonderful film. It is. Yeah. And uh, so I had her. She was on for that. So I was hoping to get her on, too. But, you know, she, I guess she's not around. But you're here. And I'm here. And you shot the film. Yes. And it's, just, it's really like what must have been fun for you and gratifying for it, you. It was fun. We actually shot on film, which just doesn't happen much these days. Not much. Yeah. It's not necessarily the most practical thing one would think. Well, it's not the most impractical thing, either. It's What is it? it it's... <laughs> It's made a comeback. Um, no, I know it's making a comeback. Uh, you know, all the DJs uh, use it instead of uh, CDs. Uh, that's fine. Excuse me, I'm getting confused. <laughs> um, well, you know, Kodak uh, has opened a lab yes. in Long Island City. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't take advantage of that for the movie because they opened up about a month or two after we wrapped. Oh, I see. So, um, so we had a more uh, kind of uh, you know roundabout way of, of mm-hmm. going about it. We had to. Sent, the film went to, went into the bath um, in Boston and then got shipped from Boston to New York to get scanned. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Yeah. I mean, the process, it, it really was kind of reinventing the wheel because the process is completely different from what it was Have you shown seven or eight years ago. Oh yeah. Oh. When, I mean, when I, when I first started my career, it was okay. digital. It was before digital was a thing. Okay. Um, a real viable option, a real viable too. option. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, um, uh, you know, for a long time I was shooting 35 or 16 yeah. for all the commercial work or okay. film work. Um, and then, um, you know, and then, and then it, uh, uh, you know, the digital stuff really hit its stride and geez, I you know, I was thinking about the other day, I think it's probably been before we, the animals, it had maybe been five or six years before I had shot since I'd shot film. Mm. Um, so in that time though, the kind of, um, the normal workflow has, mm-hmm. ha, is no longer available. Um, so, you Be know, specific, give an example. Well, so like, you know, you used to do, you used to do like circle takes and you would, you would develop everything, but then you would only print the, the just the little bits that were good. You know, now the scanning has gotten cheap enough oh, okay. that it, you don't really do that anymore. Now you just kind of develop everything and scan everything. Oh, you um, do. Really? Yeah. Okay. And then you're, and then you're also doing instead of coloring off the negative, where you would have you'd have the scanner, you know, linked up in the, mm-hmm. in the color suite. You know, now it's pretty typical that you would just scan everything at 4K with kind of a flat pass, and then and then that would be your uh, your your kind of new negative, like the thing that you're actually coloring. So when you're scanning it, though, then you're digitizing it. Yeah, and you're doing color from there. You're doing post on that. Yes, that becomes your new your new master, basically. Yeah. So you don't you don't go back to the film. Right. So what happens to the film? Well, good question. <laughs> I hope somebody's holding on to it. Uh, yeah, I think it's. Mm. I, I think it's being stored. I don't. I don't know where it's being stored, but, but the, I'm, I'm assuming it is. But the texture is 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 there in a way yeah. that you feel. Is it a zen more of a, or is it even more of a zen thing when you're shooting it? Is it or are you thinking just in terms of the texture and the the feel, the look? The warmth that's there. Are you t- are you, that's, you know, getting to sort of like the di- the differences between digital and film? Or yeah, I mean, um, if you the uh, like, why go through the why go through the pain of yeah, of, it's an extra yes, step. of an arcane uh, format? Well, I, you know, I mean, it's a nice uh, marketing point. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a I think it's a valid question, and it's one that I think everybody asks. But basically, so if they, have, they have a podcast. They do well, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, or if they're a producer, or yes, oh yeah, or, or right. many many people wonder like, well, why why mm-hmm. would we do that? It's yeah. it's so easy to do digital. You know, there's there are a lot of subtle things to the to the look to the difference of, of the way things look. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's highlight or color, um, skin tones, the texture of the grain. Um, and even the size of the format, you know, 16 millimeter versus like 35 millimeter. Oh yeah. So 16 millimeter, especially, I think really still has this real feeling to it and undeniably. Yeah. And you can, you know, you can set about to sort of recreate that after the fact mm-hmm. and you can get pretty close to be honest, but not quite all the way there. And there's just, you know, there's something false about doing it that way. You know, you're not really, mm you know, going through the process, you know, you're just kind of putting this patina on after, mm-hmm. you know, and it's typically that kind of, when you do that, you're just putting grain over it. It looks a little flatter. The highlights don't look the same. Yeah. Interesting know. to have come from a film background, you know, where, and then to transition to digital and then to come back. And then there is this sort of, um, what ethical, I don't know if that's the right word, but there is a, 
aesthetic grappling that you can you can go through but somebody who just graduated film school two or three years ago who mm -hmm. doesn't you know and just goes by that wouldn't have that dilemma because they don't have the choices there isn't i mean now yet maybe they will if they now they may have to kind of start experimenting with film you know in the first part of the process though where you're shooting Mm -hmm. How do you have you have options there even like, you know, in terms of how you expose the film? I don't know. Or is it? Yeah. Is well, it, I mean, that's some of that done during production or pre-production. Yeah. Well, both. I mean, I mean, that really one of the wonderful things about film mm -hmm. is that it it puts a lot of the control back into the cinematographer's hands. Oh, yeah. That um, would be you know, with, the, sure. with digital now you have. You know, you, obviously you have a lot of control, but there's a lot of a lot of stuff can be done in the color mm -hmm. process or or with onset color with a DIT. And you're you're you know, you're kind of really collaborating with a lot of people to make that look. And you do that on film as well. But with film, you have a few more kind of uh, creative tools in your toolkit you can use. Mm. You can do things like. Uh, you know, underexposing and overdeveloping, or overdeveloping and underexposing. You know, mm -hmm. push and pull yeah, process. Yeah, kidding. You can, mm -hmm. you know, even the choice of the film stock is gonna, you know, is gonna create different looks, different amounts of grain, different right, right. Uh, color or black and white. And this is where you're, as you sort of suggested, where you're in this sort of a the co-pilot seat now because you're. This is where you're going to have the most say, right, at that juncture because yeah. you haven't, you don't have any of the post people involved. Yet. Yeah, exactly. There's a, yeah. <clears throat> there's a lot of um, kind of big decisions about the look mm -hmm. made in pre-production that I would, of course, do on a digital production as well. But, you know, on, on a digital production, often you're you're sort of um, finalizing those the, those kind of ideas in, in yeah. post-production, whereas, you know, with film, we're we're front loading a lot of those decisions. So, you know, if we want something, for example, to be really grainy, you know, maybe we want to push process 500 mm -hmm. speed film and just really get a bunch of grain on it. And, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's a decision we're going to make mm -hmm. in pre-production with testing and, mm -hmm. and, and then on set, you know, whereas, you know, with digital, you would just probably add more grain and post on it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, which, but in your mind, they're tricks. Well, they're, <laughs> they're, they're just of, different, you know, yeah, it's, it's they're um, plugins and <laughs> they're plugins. Uh, you know, there, there are, some that have gotten better than others yeah, um, no, sure. in, in terms of, um, you know, on, on film, the, the grain has to do with the sort of the density on the negative. So highlights and, and shadow are going to have different amounts of grain, yep. you know? So if, if digitally you're just putting flat grain over everything, it's not going to really look like film because, you know, mm -hmm. the way the shadows and the highlights will, will kind of have the same amount of grain if it's just a flat when you, when you thing. Yeah. When you mentioned um, you should have the full... Or a set of tools that you're was that kind of what you said? Yeah. Because uh, did you did you by any chance get a chance to listen to? Did you by any chance get an opportunity to listen to Ed Lockman, who was on my show? Oh ago? no, I didn't. But I know that he's on there. Um, I, I actually I'd love to listen to that. Jeremiah was just telling me. Jeremiah, the director of the yeah. film, was just telling me that he met up with Ed Lockman at a screening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he goes. and and they had a great conversation and and. Um, you know, so I've, I've never actually met Ed, but oh, we've, yeah. we have some of, um, we share some of the same crew sometimes. And, and so, so I, I, he's you know. right there. You know, it's funny cause I would be, been, he goes to, uh, typically the, uh, New York film festival press and industry screenings, which are coming up actually. They just announced, you probably saw, they just announced the, uh, the slate for the festival and they'll have starting in a few weeks, they'll start having the press and industry screenings. 
and Ed goes to all of them. Mm. Like he's just there, and you you know I've seen him there for years, but I yeah. you know I never had the nerve. I don't know. I just didn't approach it. And finally, I just thought I'm just let's just let me just ask him to do the podcast. So he did. He could have been nicer, and he was so nice. I just warm and and uh, available and. And he talks about it. And I one one of the things that really kind of sped things up for me was that I saw him and, and Storaro in a mm. conversation last year mm-hmm. at the New York Film Festival. Wonderful. Actually, during a pa- they had a panel together. Kent Jones moderated, and they talked about their feelings about and and Storaro, who's probably like eighty years old or something. He's so pro digital. He's just like yeah, interesting. And Lockman let him talk, and he quite and he did talk. <laughs> the old guy talked for a long time, and then Ed Lockman goes, you know, I'm, I took a very opposing you know, uh, perspective where he, he just said, you know, why limit the film? Why, why limit the, the cinematographer? Why limit them when they could have as many tools and options and choices? That, yeah. You know, that exactly. makes the most sense, you know? Yeah. So he made a real, I thought a, a good case. And then we talk about it a bit more on the show, on the podcast. So if you get a chance to listen to that. Oh yeah. Well, I definitely check that out. He, it sounds great. Yeah. I mean, I was a little intimidated cause I didn't know how much into the, you know, details i was going to get with him i kind of mm-hmm. wanted to just well he's been around so long and he's worked with everybody and he's been yeah. had his hands on so many famous films i just want to hear stories you know yeah <laughs> That's really, yeah yeah how do you pin it down just to one it, topic it was impossible or, yeah. it was really impossible because i wanted to hear like also about his collaborations in more detail and there were, just wasn't nearly enough time i mean we sat for an hour and a half probably but out of that me was an hour and 10 15 minute and you know conversation that i edited uh, but I mean, you could just spend an hour and a half with him on Todd Haynes. Yeah. All those totally. films. And then, you know, he yeah. also has like, uh, Ulrich Seidel. He's got a very long involved relationship with making a bunch mm-hmm. of films and then, you know, a number of others. So let's talk about we, the animals, uh, yeah. this guy, I, uh, I was so glad that, uh, it was put on my radar. I don't, where did it premiere? Well, it, uh, Sundance. Okay. It did. So yeah, yeah, it was at Sundance this past winter. So the story is is a coming of age story yeah. about um, this the young kid. boy named Jonah, okay. and um, and you know, and he throughout the, the film he does um, discover a little bit about his sexuality. Okay, and um, um, you know, so that's that's and it's it's actually right. a true story. It's, it's oh a, right, it's a I memoir for, written I had completely by forgotten. Uh, the kids in this film, uh, there's three brothers, three brothers, right? And they yeah. they have so much time to at least you know they're not really being parented <laughs> yeah well it's you know Your parents it's, are going through this really it's the 90s before devices took over right it's um it's summertime mm-hmm. right. um they live in a in a small community a, a small nowhere. town yeah, in the right. middle of nowhere yeah. and uh mom and Days pops are, are 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 largely absent you know they are they are you know it's physically or otherwise well both yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. um Right. Yeah. Pop, Pops has his sort of issues. He's he's in and out of work and in and out of their lives. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, Ma is, uh, I think, a little more stable of a presence. But depre- dealing but, with depression. But dealing with, exactly. So yeah. emotionally, she's not always present. Right. Um, so the kids sort of learn how to take care of themselves, each other, and even their do. parents at times. Um, or learn, try to figure out how to navigate that. They do, and, and, and it's it's messy and beautiful and yeah. sad and funny, and you know they're they're emulating their parents who are mm-hmm. totally imperfect, and yeah, so yeah. that that kind of leads you down all those paths. Yeah, um, that is you know, and we all some, one way or another are fuck up like that. Yeah, uh, I mean you know you want to enter into the when you start having kids you swear you're just gonna 
be fully present, engaged, do the right things, and you know, invariably, yeah. You know. And then reality sets in. Huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a, of course, a otherworldliness about the film. There's a, a cinematic nature to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it it's very much. Some people might describe it as a kind of a poetic film or experimental in its approach. Well, there. It, I mean, there are moments I would call magical realism. Magical realism um, was the term I was trying to remember. Yeah. It you know, there's, there's, um, you know, at uh, at the end of the film when he rises up out of the out of the, and to, the, the right. grave yeah. and um, we don't he imagine himself flying and yeah, um, that know, he does not die in the film. So no, just no, that. he does not. But there is a grave in the story. Yes, there is a pops, that. pops digs a hole in the ground. Yeah, and um, that's all we have to yeah. say. But um, but yeah, there, I mean, there are moments. You know, there's there's a water motif. Mm-hmm. Um, a drowning motif, um, and um, oh, right. and yeah. So and, and and he is there's you know there's also the the animation animation have, have under the fun. bed and and his drawing right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. yeah. so that does it were all this in, was all the were these all these things in the script? Um, they, I mean they were. I mean every scene is in the script. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the the animations were actually added after. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they kind of solved a problem, um, that existed, uh, uh, you know, of really fully, uh, illuminating Jonah's internal world. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, I think that the, the animations really became a really elegant solution for that. Um, but, but they weren't written in the script. Mm-hmm. Um, now everything else, everything else was, was scripted, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you know, within that, we we obviously try to let the kids be kids and sure. let them be free and try yeah. not to, yeah. uh, you know, confine them too much. They were all non-actors, so it was important that we, you know, kind of let them, yeah, just exist and and be who they are. You know, right? Makes sense. So they seemed very natural. They're they're fantastic. Yeah, they the, a thousand kids. They looked at a, a, or almost a thousand kids. Really? Yeah. Where did they shoot it? Uh, we shot it in Utica, New York, Utica, upstate. Mm-hmm, sure. Um, yeah. So, pretty yeah. pretty far up there, though. Yeah. The snow belt. Yeah. It, well, not, oh yeah. Not during the summer, but yeah. Not far from the Finger Lakes, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we did, um, and we did we did sh- we did shoot in the summer and the winter, so we did do a winter portion okay. as well, which yeah. which, you know, we yeah. wa- we wanted that yeah. snow. I'm so glad I'm talking yeah. to you. It's a lot of things are coming back. And yeah, the yeah. synapses are. No, the again. end. So the end of the film yeah, yeah. is um, mm-hmm. flashes yeah. forward like six months. Right. And so we wanted to actually, you know, it was important that we see the kids kind of grow up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, 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 sure. They got a little more hair. Yeah, yeah. We see the seasons have changed, and um, mm-hmm. so it was important to right schedule the film that way. Yeah. The uh, cycle of life continues. And, um, did you? How did you end up? How did you uh, end up being collaborating with Jeremiah, the director? So, um, well, I've known Jeremiah for a long time. Okay. Um, I'm. It's funny. It's like I don't, I'm not even sure if I could tell you mm-hmm. how yeah. we met mm-hmm. originally. Well, but know. we've done. Mm-hmm. We. We've, you know, um, I mean, we've become friends over the years as well as collaborators. Um, we've done a variety of uh, documentaries together and commercial oh, yeah. work together. Okay. 
And um, so early on, when Jeremiah was talking about doing this, his first narrative feature, you know, he talked to me about it pretty early on, and, mm. and which was great because we got we got a real jump on uh, pre-production and prepping. You know, just on our own on days off, he and I were able to get together and um, shot list, talk right, through scenes, talk through mm-hmm. ideas, and it um, makes sense. Yeah, and he was even. I mean, they were they were writing the script the whole time, even so. I, you know, I think he was even. Sometimes as we would talk and, you know, going back to incorporate things we've talked about or mm-hmm. things he saw on location or that kind of, that kind of stuff to incorporate it right into the script. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was a great, it was, it was a nice process. You know, a lot of these in, independent films, when they bring on a, a DP, they, you know, you get like maybe, I don't know, two, two to four weeks of prep or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't sound too bad, but well, it's not. You know, I mean, especially when you're dealing with a couple of weeks, it's yeah, that's um, pretty tight. It it is a little constrained. You know, mm-hmm. you're definitely yeah. like if you want, you know, because you're trying to do, you want to have the time to kind of work with the director one on one, flush everything out. Mm-hmm. You know how you know talk about how you want to construct the film visually, the language you want to use, but then you also want to be able to go and shoot tests of everything, how- try out different ideas, see what works. Oh, tests. Yeah. yeah, that takes a while. Like, did Jeremy, he, Jeremiah, he, he wrote the film? Yeah, so... So did uh, he know he wanted film when he approached you? Did you, did you, when he brought it up, did he know from the start? Or did, is it just something that came up pretty quick? With, I'm sorry, with... Yeah, with choosing to shoot it on film. Oh, to, oh the, so yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I think that, I think Jeremiah from... So he, him, and him and his friend Dan um, adapted it from the book. Okay. So it's based on the New York Times bestseller uh-huh. of the same name. Okay. Um, by Justin Torres, uh-huh. and um, and I, I'm pretty sure when they were adapting the book, he he was already probably thinking about shooting on film. Mm-hmm. Um, it that was, was written, the author of the book, Torres. He 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 intended it to be shot on film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I so think a, I think he wrote there. it. Page one was yeah. you know this we wanted more. Sh- we wanted the shot on. As film. you're thinking of this, visualizing my story as you read it, do shoot it on film. Shoot it on film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, in a way, and I think it is because because the <laughs> you know the film it does take place in the 90s. It is. Yes, this, that's right. That's right. This is it puts you more in the. Uh, yeah, I mean, this the, is exactly the format that you would that would feel I think appropriate for the. Yeah, period. it's a little meta, right? If if you. Um, start thinking in that dimensional way i was remember uh seeing did you see that it was a bam cinema fest uh, this was like a fictional telling based on a real documentary yeah but like it was like the making of and they shot it on super what is it called high video high tap video i forget what it's called but it was all done and they couldn't look at it as they filmed so however it came out yeah but it looked like, like it was a, the 80s kind yeah of when they shot it you yeah. know it was uh it's a remarkable film it's called jason and shirley you should try to mm, check catch. it out yeah yeah stephen winter is the director it's amazing wh- it how really much a, it could a chance it could have been too much of a gimmick but it yeah i thought it came out really it, it they were managed because of the performances and the the uh you know the commitment they really made a, a, a great film you know yeah we were i mean speaking of documentaries with for we the animals we, we were watching um mm-hmm. there's a documentary about um mary ellen mark's work doing street photography in uh, Portland um, called Streetwise. Oh, yeah. Uh, from the 80s. And um, speaking of documentary, that was 
that was definitely um, something we looked at for oh, really? for, for, the, for the look of yeah, We the Animals. And, uh-huh. But it's, um, yeah, shot, I mean, it's shot verite style, handheld right. on, on 16 millimeter. And sure, that was kind of seminal, right? Looks, looks amazing, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think that, speak, you, know, you know, choosing these old formats, mm-hmm. there is something that it gives you, it's like a conduit to, mm-hmm. to the past. And I That's think that, um, I think that it just it just gets you to that thing more quickly, you know. <laughs> as a viewer, when you when you sit down in a the theater and watch that, watch that image that's made from you know absolutely the, an eight millimeter camera or sixteen millimeter or yeah. even some old video camera, high yeah. eight camera, a camcorder from the early nineties. You know, it's right away you it transports you there. It's and, true. Yeah. It's, right. So it's it's. You know, I think in that way too, it's a great shortcut. Um, mm. It's a language everyone kind of recognizes right away. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, we're going to have on also on the same episode. I don't know how it's all going to flesh out, but we will, <laughs> people have already heard maybe the conversation with uh, the Jeremiah. What's his last name? Jeremiah Zagar. Zagar, right? Yeah. Jeremiah Zagar with Jeremiah Zagar, the director, and Raul Castillo, who's the uh, the one of the actors in the film. Uh, it's a small cast too. That that had to be a benefit yeah. as for any. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was, you know, it was, was nice. there like six people in the movie? Yeah, I mean, I mean, really, there's, f- I mean, five main people. Typically. There's mom, there's mom and pops, of neighbors. and then there's, there's the three kids. Yeah. And then there's, um, yeah, there's a couple, there's a couple neighbors, there's right. a few other people. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, mostly it was, yeah. it was, it's, it's, it, you know, it was pretty much those five, the mm-hmm. family, um, which was really nice, you know, it was great because, and the kids are in almost every scene. Or I think every scene, um, you know, so we couldn't shoot very long days. Um, we had, um, you know, er- early on in pre-production, we, you know, we talked about trying to shoot more days mm-hmm. than, than, than kind of cram it all in, into too few, too few shooting days. And right. So it was really, I, I think, a really nice process mm-hmm. um, compared to uh, maybe other similarly budgeted mm-hmm. films. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, it looks like uh, paid off. It's opening, I think it's something like 80 or 90 theaters throughout the U.S. Um, That's fantastic for a small film like this. Yeah. Um, So August 17th, it premieres. Mm -hmm. Um, In New York, it's the Angelica. Mm -hmm. And then uh, on 57th Street, there's a theater. Yeah, the Landmark West. Yeah. The Landmark at West 57th, I think it's Yes. Yeah. And then I think that there's one or two more theaters. I forget which ones, though, off the top of my head. Maybe in the New York maybe, area. In the New York area, maybe, maybe Bam is one, or I've, well, I we'll forget. Don't quote me. No, don't worry about um, it. I got it under control. I'll but um, but yeah, it's 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 getting a fairly wide release, which is which is nice, and hopefully, yeah, you know, if people like it, it'll it can go even wider. Yeah, you know, there so. you go, and maybe more people will shoot on film. Then. Maybe, yeah. All right. Uh, well, come back on when we have another. Also, next time when you have another project. Of course, any time. Any time. Good to get into the weeds a little bit with you. Take care. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh, anytime.
I had put up this conversation with Trina Durom, who is, the, again, the, uh, a, a Swedish actor. Uh, I don't know why I would say Swedish. She's an actor. But uh, I put this conversation up on the Filmwax Radio YouTube channel some time ago because it had opened at <clears throat> Film Forum over two weeks ago. Guess what? Still there. And now in its third week at Film Forum. So even though it's playing in other theaters, you can go to Film Forum. Uh, still, you have plenty of time. Go check out Nico 1988, which is, uh, follows the uh, story of the singer who is approaching the age 50 and who leads a solitary existence, uh, you know, far from her days as a Warhol superstar and celebrated vocalist for the Velvet Underground back in the 1960s. Her life and career on the fringes, Nico's new manager convinces her to hit the road again and tour in Europe to promote her latest album. Struggling with demons and the consequences of a muddled life, she longs to rebuild a relationship with her son, whose custody she lost long ago. Nico 1988 takes place during the last, this tour in the last sort of couple of years of Nico's life. It's beautifully performed by this stunning actor, Trina Durham. I was really happy to have her on the podcast and, and to play the, our conversation for you right now uh, here on, on Filmwax Radio. So we're all really proud that a big star like you is living here in Manchester and not in Paris or New York. I'm sorry about the interview, Nico. Don't call me Nico. Call me by my real name, Krista. My life started after the experience with the Velvet Underground. I started making my own music. It was Jim Morrison's idea. He asked me to write down my dreams. Hi, it was a beautiful concert. What are you doing? What are you all doing? got me a band of amateur junkies. Nico, you made a big mess tonight. What are these voices? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Every, no, he was, a, he was a great, he was great. Oh, is this for me? Thank you. Yeah, it is actually frozen, but it will take one. Unlike my heart, this will thaw. I'm so glad that uh, that just went with my instincts because I was so busy and I thought, oh, I don't know if I have time to see Nico in time. And I wanted to see it at the film forum, you know, for the big reopening of the of film forum. And then I saw your performance, Trina, and I said, oh, no, I have to talk to her. What a great, <laughs> what an you. incredible job. Thanks a lot. Were you familiar with, with Nico or Krista? Were you familiar with her? Did you grow up with her, knowing about her? No, not at all. No. I, I, I would have been mm-hmm. one of the journalists, like in the film, mm-hmm. asking her about Andy Warhol or Velvet Underground. That was basically what I knew, the banana sure. record and right. her model career, pictures, images. So, yeah. The thing that makes her bitter, or one of the things that makes Nico, who you portrayed, so bitter was that that's kind of the way everybody associated her with. Mm. The journalist at the beginning wanted to know about her relationships with men, mm. you know. 
Although the Velvet Underground had a, a female drummer, right? I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> you're, you're the expert. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm certain they, they were an exceptional band. They also had a female, I think she was the drummer, was a, was a woman. Okay. I should know that for, for, as a fact. But you, you maybe know we'll look it up in, instead of yeah. pictures. Anyway, um, but I, uh, so you you know this is it was interesting to to learn that she was still uh, ten, fifteen, twenty years later still struggling with that, wanting her to be known for her own well, in, I uh, think identity. Yeah, of course. I mean, she's. I think she struggled with being such a beautiful woman. I mean, she was maybe the most beautiful woman in the world uh, back then. So again, well, good casting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I didn't play her in that period. No, but I mean, I think she wanted to be respected for her art and not her beauty. And, and, and that image of the beauty girl, that was too narrowed in a way. And, and, and just being part of the Velvet Underground, of course, it was important. And it was three very good songs. I mean... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, very iconic songs that she sang, um, but it was only three songs, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, of course she wanted to be connected with other things also, and not only Andy Warhol and Velvet Underground. And I, I don't, sure. as far as I know, it was not like only good things in that period. I mean, it it was a complicated relationship, I think, with yeah her and them. So, what kind of research did you do? Um, I, of course, I mean, Susanna did a lot of the directors. Nick Chiarelli. Nick Chiarelli, yes. She yeah, did a lot the... of research for sure. uh, the script. And she talked to Alan Wise, uh, the manager that she has uh, had in Manchester. And uh, the, the character Richard is based on him. Mm-hmm. And she talked to uh, Ari, her son. Right. Um, and uh, she talked to a I'm Czech promoter. So the whole... Uh, check uh, sequence, the whole Prague sequence is inspired yes. of that, yes, yeah, yeah. by that. And she talked to a, uh, an Italian guy that told her things that inspired her to the spaghetti scene. And, you know, um, and then, of course, I, uh, Susanna told me a lot of things. I didn't meet these people, but Susanna told me. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a lot of things, and then I saw a documentary called Nico Icon. It's really oh, good. I've seen it. I um, forgot about that. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Uh, and then I saw some interviews I could find from the old period, the late period, and some concerts. Mm. And uh, when I met Susanna, she came to Copenhagen. She she sent me the script, and I was very interested. And then she flew up to Copenhagen, and we had uh, dinner together, and we clicked immediately. But she said to me, "You don't." look like Nico, you don't sing like Nico, but I think that you are the right one to play the character. And She gave you all the reasons why you weren't. Why <laughs> exactly. did she, but why? Because I am just a obviously not. I mean, right. and, and, and that, kind of, because to start with, I was of course very afraid of taking this challenge, you know, it's, it's a big challenge to play yeah. a real person sure. and, you know, so, so, she, in a way, just convinced me that because I am obviously not <laughs> Nico, and I'm an actress, I live on imagination, so that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, then we decided to do our version in the mm-hmm. spirit of 
mm-hmm. uh, because she wanted me to sing the songs. And uh, and uh, we went to the studio and uh, tried different ways. And then suddenly we found mm, something the that worked. Voice. Yeah, it's uh, no, is it really? Is it important? I mean, uh, to find the soul or the the essence uh, of of the person you're portraying, mm-hmm. as opposed to an imitation. You referenced a, something of a pressure to do, to do right by her, her memory. Her uh, there's still probably many, many people who, you know, love her mm-hmm. and her music. But is it important to do an impression, you know, an impersonation? Yeah, I or, think so. But I mean, it's it, 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 no, it's it's very important not to do an imitation. Well, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, uh, yeah. and because uh, some people do choose that, some actors or filmmakers. Collab, you know, yeah, they, yeah, they choose well, to do more of an impersonation yeah, or an imitation yeah, rather than. Yeah. Well, uh, a I, I, I didn't want to do that, and Susanna didn't want to do that. Right. So, so that was very important. Because you might have cast somebody who looked closer to exactly yeah, yeah. and had like more. Yeah, I don't know another voice that could maybe. But uh, you're, we're well, going to get to that because uh, your vocals are. I, I don't. Uh, I, I, when I was fourteen, I was in the Eurovision Song Contest in Denmark. In which one? Uh, it's a European song contest. Oh, you were? Uh, this is interesting. Maybe get this. Because <laughs> I want to hear this story. I'm sorry. I want just one clip. I'm just going to use I'm not going to uh, okay. overdo it, I promise. No, 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 no. I want to respect um, it. But, uh, yeah, I, I start you... over again. <laughs> <laughs> I've done. I, I've been a radio reporter, so I know how, oh, how you are, hard it is oh, how when I was a child. fortunate for me. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, I was uh, in 87. I was in the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, it it is a, a Eurovision show, and I did the Danish show, and mm-hmm. I was number third in the Danish uh, show. Out of how many? Um, out of ten, you oh, know, it's great. like ten, but it's like a big, big yeah. show. So so overnight, I was well known in Denmark. It sort was of the American song. Idol uh, yeah, or, it of, of its you day. Know, at that time, it was yeah. the only show you could have in television, basically, okay. and. Uh, um, I sang a song called "Dancing in the Moonlight," and uh, wait a minute, "Dancing in the Moonlight." No, no, it's not. not it's the king, in Danish. It's called "Dancing in Moonlight." Oh, okay. uh, Which, how do you say it again? Dancing in Moonlight. You okay. can Google it. It's on the internet, and you can you? see me as fourteen oh. years old, and you know, you, with hair like this, you know, dancing we're gonna, and singing. And did you have big hair? No, I didn't have. Yeah, I had long hair, but you okay. know, like in eighties, yeah. right? Sure. If you were a pop girl, it was like this. Yes. You know? Yeah. Uh, and a lot of uh, yes, uh, Madonna, well, uh, right? The bracelets uh, yeah, bracelets, and and yeah, all sorts exactly. of ad, 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 adornments. Uh, yeah, it was kind of a weird combination of a lot of people uh, <laughs> inspired by a lot of things <laughs> at that yeah. time. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, I so I I had I did two records. I had a band that was you know amazing. they were around thirty. Old guys, and I was fourteen, you know, and, really? and I suddenly I, I I I went to school, and then in the weekends mm-hmm. I yeah. I was out touring with the band, so mm-hmm. I could use that yeah as a sure. background, of yeah. course. Were um, your parents? How did they? What did they make of this? When you're, you're fourteen, you're supposed to be in school studying, and you're yeah, out I, with these older they, guys. They, they were okay with of, it. Just allowed me to do a lot of things, uh, and I met good people. Uh, it's always about the people you. Were meet. you in uh, in Copenhagen? Or were you up in the Jutland? Or is that no? What I was in Funen. Okay. What is going on out there? I don't know, but maybe they're. I don't know. Could you ask them to stop? <laughs> <laughs> you got plenty. Uh, no, but just, this is like. I was going to say, look insane. up. Uh, also, look up um, on the internet. Look up uh, 
Velvet Underground. I'm interested to know who the members are. But anyway, they're stopped right in front. We have to wait for this stand anyway. We have to wait for this stand. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's typical. I mean, yeah, I, but what is it? In, is it oh, that could be. Or? It sounds like police. But it, isn't it Tucker? Yeah, Tucker. But, but Mo also Tucker. in that period? Oh, thank you. I, I'm not sure. Was it also in that period? Uh, in the 80s or in the 60s? No, I mean in the 60s. Yeah, she was the, the principal drummer. She was the principal in the principal in the original lineup, I pretty, right? Is that what we're saying? Mo Tucker? So or did she take over for somebody? Probably died of an overdose. Angus McLeese in 1965. Oh, okay. And I believe she on. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, anyway. So you had you brought this uh, your music your vocal and yeah, musical knowledge. That, so you had a confidence I, in that. That was also one of the reasons yes. why Susanna wanted me to play this part because she wanted me to sing, and she yes. realized that I could sing, but I don't have a voice like Nico. What is course, that but... range called? It's like a, she, she had a very almost um, like a, a male would be a baritone, but I don't know what a, the female version is of that. Uh, like count, contra. You don't know. I, I no, wonder but, what but that. I mean, because she yeah, sang yeah, at the very low. Yeah, uh, she had this deep voice. Also, when she spoke, it was uh, yeah. uh, right uh, down there mm -hmm. and uh, very original. And she was not always in tune. And right. but she had this very interesting spirit. And and yeah. and you listened, you know. Yes. And yeah. she had a message, and and that was the most important thing for me to have a message. Mm -hmm. So so we 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 treated the the songs as monologues in the film so we went to the studio and tried out different things i've also done a lot of ex experimental theater where i scream and you know do different weird stuff mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i'm not afraid of trying out right. uh, so we tried out and and it was too much and then and suddenly there the character was and and then we started to work with the different songs um you know, different emotional state of minds uh, yep. for the character throughout the film. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was the key work for the character because, I mean, it starts with the music and there are nine songs in the film and it's, it's, a, it's a big part of the whole thing. So that's where the character came, started to be built up. Mm. The film shows it's sort of in the last two years or so, two or three years of, mm. of her yeah. life. We, 60, uh, 86, 86 to 88, 88 yeah. where she was uh, touring. Mm. Uh, she, had, she had a British, her British uh, manager mm. who was in love with her, mm. right? And uh, she was uh, addicted to heroin. Mm. Uh, and um, she uh, brought on a, uh, a young band with her to travel with her right through through Europe I guess they, were they all just in Europe pretty much I can't yeah remember. well in the film they are in Europe yeah, yeah. it was yeah. a kind of European uh, that makes sense and then the as you mentioned the, the maybe the the high point was this um, underground performance because it was against the, I guess it was against the regulations or law I don't know in in Prague in Prague to yeah. do a performance like this yeah. was totally yeah it was illegal yeah I, I I just the film uh, was in Kalovivari uh, and I had uh, a Q&A with the the Czech uh, audience uh, Czech Republic yeah. audience yeah, yeah and 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 they were uh, I mean How did they, they reach, connected yeah. so much with that scene of course because yes. they remembered how it was 
to not they were not allowed to hear rock music and they had to uh, go to these illegal concerts you yeah, know right and 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 that is a very interesting scene where where they risk so much to bring her mm-hmm. and she only cares about hearing basically to start with she, you know? she only cares about heroin heroin Yeah, she can't get her hearing. Yeah, and and right. she's desperate. Right, she's a junkie. Yeah, you know? yeah, and she doesn't give a fuck about mm-hmm. what they have risked. And then right. in the end, she is on stage and she connects with the the audience, and and it's like the whole anger and everything comes out, and and it's it's a very important. Moment. Seen in the in the film, uh, it's a liberation for the character, and it's yeah. a point of, point of no return where she starts to become clean and reunited with her son her again. Son. Yeah. What did you make of her relationship with her son Ari? Uh, mm-hmm. He he was um, at a very at, almost immediately after she gave birth. Back, uh, she was uh, an, probably an addict then, but she was also touring, and she she was very selfish, and she decided to hand over Ari to her parents to raise. Not or they offer or his, his oh the father the that's right I'm sorry yeah. I'm going to pull a radio thing and rephrase it I is mean, yes right it's a very complicated uh, story yeah I would normally f- correct myself but I, I, there's no point <laughs> <laughs> rephrase not going to do it I'm securing myself uh, <laughs> um, and then right but this is a burden she carries around at least this is what you think is there's a sense of um, re- deep sense of regret that she carries around with her and mm. maybe the cause for a lot of her conflict internal conflict i i definitely think so i yeah. mean Cause she I, I i think she struggled with a lot of things yes and, clearly. Uh, i i i was very inspired by an interview i saw where she was asked do you regret anything and i mean if you were asked that i mean you i guess you could say a lot of things i could at least say a lot of things that i would I start with i regret that she didn't bring that nico didn't bring up her <laughs> no, son oh yeah. you mean me no, no yes, but sorry. but yeah yeah but but i mean yeah. but she just answers uh, no i don't regret anything other than i was born a woman and not a man wow yeah that is really that was very inspiring when i had to to work with the character mm-hmm. because it tells me a lot of things it tells me that she doesn't fit. She's such a beautiful woman with mm. this masculine voice. Right. She is a mother that can't be a mother. She is, you know, yeah. a, a, a woman in the male business. She's That's so right. beautiful that she can't get respected for her arts. You know, she, it's, it's so conflicted. It is. She was going to eventually hit a, some sort of wall because if she regretted from an early time, Uh, her looks, her own, the, you know, outer mm. persona, right? Mm. The, this this model, mm. this beautiful woman. And and she was very unhappy with that from the mm. start. But at first she just went with it, obviously, because she yeah, took yeah. modeling jobs, didn't she? And things like that. But sooner or later, that conflict is going to get in the way. Yeah. And it did in a very yeah. destructive, self-destructive way. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an ex- existential thing for mm-hmm. her. It's not that she wanted to be a man. That's not what I read out of that sentence. But still, it's it's just a lot of things that inspired me for the work at yeah. least and also I think she struggled a lot with being a German uh, she makes up stories she made up stories all the time about her father who he was and she ha- also had uh, some provocative uh, attitude to uh, 
to that subject, uh, and uh, Again, she uh, she it, she was full of contradictions, mm-hmm. and that is fascinating. Mm-hmm. That is life. That is human beings. Yeah. I mean, I I I always look for that when I work in a character. I always look for the opposite mm-hmm. when I work. But here, you had it all from the beginning of. It's like yeah. su- such a strong woman that is so vulnerable, uh, a drug addict that didn't die young she, she's just on drugs you know mm-hmm. it's just a fact yeah. uh, 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 well a, a lot of things she, she is so contradicted for, uh, all the time and it's so fascinating in a way well Trina Durham is the uh, the actor she's in uh, a, a film called Nico 1988 being distributed by Magnolia Pictures here in the United States and it's currently screening at Film Forum is there any other theaters, uh, Leah, we should mention, or that, or is it going to be opening wider and might not be your? Yeah, <laughs> I, I understand. I cut your card too. And then it opens in LA today. It also opens yeah. in Los Angeles today, yeah. Friday. Whereas we sit here today's oh, Friday, the August third. It is. Yes, Friday it is. Today. I know. I can't. It's be- today. It opens today. It opens today <laughs> in New York. At, no, well, in Los Angeles. Actually. But is it? It's only. A, it's only a film form in in New York. Okay, got. It. I understand. Yeah. And um, I urge everyone to go see this beautiful. Uh, it's a. It's a. It's a dark film, but it's also uh, contains some beautiful performances and some fantastic. Um, yeah, just a p- fantastic performance at its core by by you. And um, are you do? Are you going back to uh, Denmark to? Uh, do you do theater? Do you do? Because they have a rich uh, theater. Uh, well, I, yeah, I've there? done a lot of theater, oh, but I, I yeah. haven't done theater for six oh, years. Six years, uh, yeah, because okay. I have just done in such demand. Uh, films and television. There's and a lot of television coming I've, out of Scandinavia. I've, uh, also, yeah, I've done yeah. a TV series called The Legacy, uh, where I also directed some episodes. Oh, uh, really? And nice. then I've done a lot of films lately, uh, also in Germany and, and mm-hmm. Sweden and Denmark. And mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I mean. I, I, I'm looking for good work, <laughs> for uh, challenging uh, characters and, yeah. and good people. And, and the older I get, the more challenging it has to be, you know. In the <laughs> I understand. But, but at least I think it's harder here than in your, uh, for women, I think. But I don't well, want to get it, off into it's not often that you get a character like no. Nico 1988 in, yeah. on your table. It's, yeah. it's a very complex female character, and, and sure. I, 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 I'm very, very grateful for that uh, offer. So, I mean, but, but, but actually, I think that, that it's also a way of thinking. So when I, for instance, get a script, and if I am not so satisfied with the character mm-hmm. then I can also be the one to put in things you know it's also my responsibility to mm-hmm. to make it better or more nuanced or you don't have to play it black and white you know mm-hmm. you can do things mm-hmm. so it's also just a way of participating in and the most whole environment and, yeah. and try to make female characters that are human beings and yeah. not more dimensional too yeah. flat yeah yeah, yeah. and then the directors they appreciate it by and large yeah and of course I mean I have had the privilege to work with the directors that invited me in to be co-creative mm-hmm. and, and part of the sometimes part of the script writing not I'm not a writer but I I, I you know comment on, yeah collaborate mm-hmm. and, and I of course like that it's very inspiring 
it uh, doesn't have to be like that, but it's it is very inspiring to to yeah. work together. As we wind down, this is the um, wild card part of the. <laughs> I'm just I'm curious because you're from Denmark and I've been there, and I, my first girlfriend was Danish, but that's another story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, let's hear that story. Well, I went to Copenhagen in 1988. Oh, 89, 88. I think it was 88 actually. Yeah. Maybe a little earlier actually. Yeah. Now that I think 86. And she broke up with me right there. Oh, so you you hate right Denmark? N- no. You hate no. Danish no, no, girls? No, no, I got over. <laughs> it's like a another big Danish wound in your. Yeah, uh, it, it's a little bit of a wound. Yeah, but yeah, it's okay. It no, is. I have, I've come a long I way. Understand. It's many years ago. Um, but, but it will never. Have disappear. you done a dogma? Have you, what? <laughs> it will never disappear. <laughs> Not quite. Uh, it's in there. It's in the. I have to own it. It will stain you forever. But but yes. but. Back, that, that's true. why we make cinema. That is my, my thing. I mean, we yeah. that we make cinema to share all these existential themes that we can't talk about. That doesn't have words. Uh, existential loneliness, your lost love in Copenhagen. Yeah. I mean, all these. No, but I, I'm not kidding. I'm actually saying I this because yeah. I think it's important uh, uh, that we are sharing mm-hmm. these moments. And and if if you can put just small moments of that into a film or, or, or give your character small cracks where you invite the audience into their inner chaos mm. so we understand a little bit what they are struggling with. Then, yeah. then, then we can connect and share and right, which is which is cathartic. And, and being able to share and to have that experience is really yeah. a positive. That's why we have art. I mean, I think yeah, ultimately. Exactly. Just as postscript here, did you, have you done any dogma? Have you had any... I, I was in the celebration. Oh right. Yeah. That, that's, well, uh, I was I was playing the maid right, the in the celebration oh, that was in love with the main character, uh-huh. and he invites her to Paris, and we uh, Ulrich Thompson and I, and we collaborated again with Thomas Winterberg in a film called mm-hmm. The Commune. Mm-hmm. That was uh, I got a very important prize for that at the Berlinale. Um, yeah. So that was so fun. 20 years after, we worked again together, mm-hmm. the three of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were then a couple uh, in the film. Uh, and uh, I've done also... That was Dogma... I don't know if the celebration was Dogma 1 or 2. Or The Idiots by Lars von oh Trier gosh. was 1 yeah, or 2. That's that a one. great film. I know. I haven't, um, I, it's, I'm trying to find a copy. Oh, it's really good. Yeah, yeah no, I've not it's seen like it, but that's like, uh, you know, amazing. outrageous. Supposed to be um, really outrageous. But I did the celebration with uh, Thomas Winterberg, and then I did Dogma 10. That is, uh, it takes place in a, f- a female prison, a uh, women prison, mm-hmm. and um, I'm playing a woman that lost her child, and it was her fault. Um, and it's a female director called Annette K. Olesen. It's called In Your Hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Dogma 10. Mm-hmm. So, so they I've done them two Dogma films. Oh, wow. i got to catch up. <laughs> but that's I many years I've seen, ago. I've seen the celebration, but yeah. it's been a while. But, yeah, you uh, don't remember me. It's okay. I don't no, take it personally. No, I may. <laughs> we'll be going back and uh, catching up Well, again. I was very young. I look different now. So it's it's well it's already it's so many years since yeah, yeah. we did that film. Well, you know, it's, it's part time of is seminal passing work. by. Those are seminal works, and you still feel like yeah, you know, you look great, and and um, wasn't <laughs> sure what I was going to expect. I was thought I was going to get a junkie here who was uh, yeah going to be in no, a bad mood. I'm not a junkie. 
Thank you so much. It was really great meeting you. Yeah, it was. And a uh, pleasure meeting you. Great to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, wishing you all the luck with Nico 1988. Currently, currently in theaters. Yeah. Go check it out. Yeah. Thank you, Trina. Take me to heart And I'll always love you And nobody Can make me do wrong Take me for granted So go check out uh, Nico 1988, Google it, see where it's playing near you. It's being distributed by Magnolia Pictures, and I tell you, she really transformed for I mean, you hear about these actors that transform themselves, and she really did. When I, I, I saw the movie, and then, you know, and she does not look great, you know, in this movie. She really did change her appearance. I was shocked when I walked into this interview with Trina, and saw a stunning, beautiful woman uh, who was just... Uh, you know, radiating with uh, positive energy and beauty. It was just really something. I did not know. I did not know that was going to happen. So I was thrown off a little bit. Anyway, thank you for listening to that. Um, This was uh, episode 502. Um, You know the whole deal uh, about going on iTunes and giving us a star rating and following us and subscribing. Give us, you know, reviews. We're on Stitcher and on iTunes. Uh, I'm just going to, Say we'll be back next week with a new episode and wonderful guest coming up. It's gonna we're going to a very exciting time with the podcast and just it's 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 great. Uh, uh, so please do stick with the show and I appreciate it. And reach out. You can reach me through, through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and our newsletter and just it's very easy to uh, keep in touch with Film Wax Radio. Uh, my name is Adam Shartoff. Please do take care of yourselves and the ones you love. Broken lines, broken strings, broken threads, broken springs, broken.